Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? It's Friday. It's time for a classic episode. This episode is called The Evils of Data Tracking, and it originally published on December 16th, 2015. And Ben Johnson, another podcaster and journalist, joined the show for this discussion. Uh, Keep in mind, you know, this was done back in 2015. The issues with data tracking have only gotten worse since then. It has not improved in any stretch except for the various agencies that are tracking data, whether those are corporations or governments. So uh, fun times, but enjoy this classic episode. I got a chance to be a guest host on a show you host called Codebreaker. Yes. And on Codebreaker, when we talked, I made a reference to Shakespeare. Yes. Now, my question for you is, are you ever confused with the 17th century British playwright Ben Johnson? Oh, man. All the time. Yeah. Happens all the time. Embarrassing. Um, Yeah, no, I've been, uh, you know, I have been to uh, Stratford-upon-Avon. I Mm -hmm. have... 
done that whole thing. And, and, and I used to, I, you know, I, I never get confused for that Ben Johnson, but pe- pe- in the past, at least, people made jokes about steroids because of the other Ben Johnson, right. the Canadian runner. And I used to have a T-shirt that said, I'm not on steroids, but thanks for asking, which was a kind of inside joke among my friends. But it, it was, um, you know, I've never been, no, I've never been that poetic. I've never been that good at sonnets. So usually I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, not confused. It's, um, it's sadly. It's really funny because, uh, uh, I'm in, in a upcoming episode of Tech Stuff, I'm going to have my friend Ayaz Akhtar from CNET on. Aha. Uh-huh. And his, yes. his, uh, Twitter handle is at Ayaz. So he gets a lot of hip hop and rap questions. Oh, so, of course. Yeah, of it's course like, he does. me? Yeah. Not so much. I, I'm okay with that. But the reason I have Ben on today is because we're doing so, kind of a complimentary uh, episode to the Codebreaker episode I, I was on, which was all about data tracking and data mining and to kind of talk about what that is, what it's used for, what is the best case scenario, like what, why do we want it, and what are some really, really good reasons why we may not want it. Uh, despite the fact that at this point it's here to stay. I think, uh, spoiler alert, data tracking <laughs> is not going away. Right. Until the sort of post-apocalyptic world right. uh, descends. Until we're all in um, Fallout 4 world yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Or yeah. or we reach singularity and we're sharing the same consciousness anyway, right? Yeah. And, and then it doesn't matter yeah, who buys what. There's no such thing as an individual at that point. So uh, <laughs> until then, we're stuck with it. So... Data tracking and data mining, these are terms that kind of relate to another buzz term that you've probably heard over and over again, which is big data. Um, and the reason why we're even talking about this at all is because information has value. Uh, but it's hard to pin down exactly what the value is because it may be very different from one person to another or between the individual whose data it is and some other organization or a chain of organizations. And the whole thing gets really messy. And uh, we're going to so be, messy. Yeah, we're gonna, so messy. We'll be talking about information and information about information like metadata. I mean, this it becomes a rabbit hole that you can easily get lost in as you start to try and unravel everything and figure out, OK, well, What's the the heart of this story? And to be fair, data tracking is something that's been going on for ages. It's not new. It's just that the Internet and the tools we use today allow us to generate, uh, gather, and sift through more information than we've ever been able to do before. It's kind of a catch-all phrase, right, Jonathan? It's it's this kind of catch-all phrase for, for computers and software to build a really comprehensive um, data profile about you in some ways, but it's something that credit card companies and banks and advertisers have endeavored to do for decades, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this can be done for very simple, quote unquote, innocent reasons. Like one of the examples I, I like to say is you might have a shop and you at, in your shop, you sell ice cream and you pay attention to see which flavors of ice cream sell the best. And that informs you of which flavors of ice cream you need to stock up on. You are tracking the data of sales. In this case, you're not necessarily looking at individuals. You don't care who it is that buys the vanilla. But if everyone's buying vanilla, you want to make sure you have more vanilla than the other flavors that aren't selling as well. 
So that's one, that's like the, the, the very simplest version of data tracking there where, yeah. you know, you've scrubbed the identity of the individuals. That's not even, that doesn't even come up. It's not important. But it can go all the way to the other extreme where you want to create targeted advertising that is going to appeal to each specific person that visits a particular site or uses a particular service. And the whole point of that is to attempt to get them to buy something or to enroll in something. It's it's the goal of all advertising. It's to get you to act in a certain way. And the idea is that, well, if we can narrow the target down to the most likely candidates, we'll get a better return on our efforts. And this is theoretically good for the user, right, Jonathan? Theoretically, it's it's sort of like we want to give you the thing that you really want, and we want to give it to you in the most efficient way and in the most sort of simpatico way with with what you uh, are interested in doing already. Um, but it can sort of like... Data tracking to me means so many things, Jonathan, right? It, it means uh, your online browsing behavior or the things you choose to buy, the platforms, the software you use, the things you download, your name, age, race, sexual orientation, uh, when you're sick, yeah. uh, what, what you're sick with, your eating habits, your television watching habits, your fears, hopes, dreams, right? When, it can really mean so many things. When you're awake, when you're asleep. Yeah. I mean, like we, yeah. we're talking about a world now where we're, we, we want these wearables that can give us real time data feedback on how we are doing throughout the day. Maybe you are an extreme type A personality and you are trying to schedule your day so that when you're hitting those peak moments of productivity, that's when you're tackling the most important tasks to you. And you're wearing wearables and you're getting that feedback and you're understanding all this stuff. That data may also be going to other places and there may not be any use for it right now. Like right now, as you're generating that data, that's fine. No one's looking at it. But down the road, that might not be the case for various reasons. Some of which are terrifying. <laughs> yes. But, yes. but you know, you were talking about the different types of data. There are actually three kind of broad categories we can classify the data that we are creating that, that various entities are really interested in. There's, uh-huh. there's volunteered data and that's the stuff uh-huh. we share, right? That's when we go on your Facebook. Tweets. Exactly. You, that's my tweets. Your tweets, your, yeah. your YouTubes, your Facebooks, <laughs> your Pinterests. It's, it's the stuff where we are participating in the conversation and generating that information. We're not just doing that for the people that we are trying to impress or our friends or sometimes our enemies if we want to rub their noses and stuff because they think they're so big. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's the stuff that we are actively sharing. Then there's the observed data. That's the stuff that companies and other entities can uh, can figure out about us just by watching our behavior. So this would be kind of the stuff we buy, the, the browsing habits we have, where we log in from. Like if you are doing most of your browsing on a mobile device, you better bet there, there are companies out there that want to know that. They want to know that you access stuff on your phone more than you do on a laptop or desktop. That's important information. And then there's the inferred data, and that's the stuff that companies guess is relevant to you based upon the information they gather from the other two types of sources. And it's right. it's this collection that's important. And, you know, I mentioned about value and how value is different for different people. So the Telegraph did a survey 
in which they asked people what they felt their personal information was worth to them personally. Like, what is your identity worth to you uh, based upon the kind of information that gets shared around these entities? Sure. Can you make a ballpark guess? I'll tell you this. It's 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 less than ten thousand dollars, but it's mm-hmm. more than five dollars. <laughs> oh man, oh man, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with twenty bucks. Or no, 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 wait, wait, a hundred bucks. You know, it's probably because we share so much, Ben, that we value it so little. But the average person, <laughs> five thousand dollars. Oh well, that's good. That that makes that makes the average person a lot smarter than me. Yeah, I like that. Well, it, yeah. it, to be fair, it was three thousand two hundred forty-one pounds sterling, but I did the conversion. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well done. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, and they also mentioned the fact that um, that while they were uh, uh, doing this, they they found that there was a disparity that that women in the survey tended to answer more frequently that their personal information was priceless. That there was no price you could put on it that they would feel comfortable selling it. Okay. Um, okay. And men were less likely to do that. They also That's said an interesting data point, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I also mentioned that older people were less likely to want to sell their information than younger people. Which kind yeah, of Yeah, young younger people are just giving it away. Yeah, they are. I mean they you know, we're seeing that more and more with the 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 very cavalier behavior of certain executives like Zuckerberg who have said that privacy is dead. No, privacy is no longer a thing. That seems to be kind of the message that younger generations have not only absorbed, but adopted, at least to some extent. Say you and I, us old codgers. So we claim. Yeah. No, (laughs) if you're Generation X or older, you're like, get your dirty, grubby hands off my personal information. (laughs) You damn millennials. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> now here, that's, so, so that's how much the person values their personal information in the thousands of okay. dollars range. Okay, I know what you're going to do next, right? You're going to give me the average company's value on our data, yeah, right? Is yeah, what's going to happen? That is exactly what's going to happen. So yes, here's the deal: your personal information to a company, at best, like at its peak, for average amount of information. I'm not talking about very specialized stuff. Like if you were talking about that wearable example I was saying earlier, that would yeah. that would be worth more because it, okay. it's more comprehensive data. But your average stuff like your the stuff you might find on a Facebook profile page. Yeah. It is worth 0.005. dollars So half a cent <sighs> is how much your data is worth at, uh. at the peak. Average is closer to point zero 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 five dollars. To know that I'm a uh, you know a, a, a boring middle aged white guy who's probably going to see the Star Wars movie. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I would have paid you for definitely. definitely okay, definitely, all right, that's fair. Definitely. I mean, it's seven yeah. days away, dude. It is seven days away as we record this. I know. I can't, right. wait. So, I can't wait. So, so at any rate, uh, yeah, exactly. Like the the companies like. That's how much your information is worth to them. So to you, yeah. it's in the thousands of dollars. To them, it doesn't even equal a penny for the. But in the aggregate, right? It's going to be worth so much more. Well, exactly. Because right? when a company is buying information, they're not buying one person's information. They're buying bundles of thousands upon thousands of people's information. Then it's that company's job to either sell that information off to someone else. These are data brokers. This is all they do. 
That's that's their job. That's their business. They they buy and sell info. They don't make stuff. They don't provide yeah. any services. They aggregate data and sell it off to other people. Uh, this is a fascinating part of this whole thing to me, Jonathan, because yeah. it's like they're the these companies are are really. I mean, they're they're kind of like in the shadows. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're 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 like companies with like weird names that 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 have you know data centers in 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 the middle of nowhere and and they're really hard to find and you you know i mean re, you and i probably both remember the days of like do not call me at home mm-hmm. you know getting getting that phone call from marketers the pre do not call list days right mm-hmm. and we don't really have a do not call list for data yet right we have some tools but we don't really have that and i feel like we're in this kind of uh i don't know gold rush on data Exactly. We don't have we don't have the power to say, here is what you can use my data to do, and here is what you cannot use my data to do. Uh, yeah. you know, if you're lucky, you will be, or, or if you're very, um, you know, careful and you're and you're paying really close attention, then you might use services where you're looking at the user agreement and looking to see. Do they have a policy? Do they do they specifically state they will not share your information with third parties? Um, you know, you can find some of those, but honestly, that's not the way business works for most of these companies. You are the product, right? Yep. Like, like yep. Google, you know, when the service is free. Yep. You're the one, you're the product. You're the product. That's, yeah. that's what Google, <laughs> you're Google's product, you're Facebook's product. You, yep. you are what they are selling to other, other, uh, interested parties. And, uh, even if you look at ones that say that, oh, don't worry, we scrub all the identifiable stuff from your data. Anonymize your data, if you will. Yeah, that um, that don't work so good, Ben. <laughs> no, it doesn't work very good. There have been studies about this in the last few years, right? I think there was a study that came out of the UK that suggested um, that really, in order to identify a person, um, you really only needed like one or two pieces of information about them, right? Do you remember that study that came out in the last, I don't know, year or so? Re- it was like. I remember that one. And there's one that, uh, Latanya Sweeney of Harvard, she did one where she proved that with three points of data, which was, uh, gender, birth date, uh-huh. and zip code, she could uh-huh. identify 87% of U.S. residents. Yeesh. So, so nearly 90% of all people living in the United States, she could identify just with those three pieces of information. That, one of the things I like to stress to people is your name, which you try to protect when you are, when you think you're being anonymous on the internet and you use a Mm -hmm. handle, so you're not using your name. Like I use my name everywhere as my handle. That's just, yeah, me too. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, no, I'm going to use an anonymous handle. Your name is the least important thing about you. Yeah. I hate to break it to you that because honestly, most of these companies don't care. Just like I was saying, the shop owner with the ice cream doesn't care who you are. Most of these companies don't really care who you are. They care about what you do. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really interesting too. like Google, for instance, leverages large amounts of money and even some of their best algorithmic computing power to make sure that advertisers and marketers, for instance, don't engage in dishonest practices or break Google's own rules about tracking data. 
And even for Google, this is becoming like a Herculean task. We, I, I talked to in, in for Codebreaker, I talked to some people at Columbia, some Columbia uh, grad students who are studying this, and it's really interesting to see what gets pulled from even like emails that you might send in Gmail, for instance. Yeah, um, yeah, this is this is kind of. Um Kind of terrifying also if you, if you think about, cause you, you think of email as being this, this, uh, private means of communication that, you know, just as you wouldn't expect someone else to read your snail mail, that, yeah. that would be a violation of trust to find out that stuff is popping up based on things that you've typed. Like if you've written an email recently and then something that is related to that email starts seemingly to pop up in places you weren't expecting, you might think at first that that's a weird coincidence, but if this happens a few times, you're like, okay, this is not a coincidence. What is going yeah. on? Yeah. It, it's really interesting. I, and I think that's something, Jonathan, that so many people can relate to, right? This idea of like, oh, I looked at those shoes once, or I looked at, uh, you know, whatever, the, the, whatever item that you might buy online once and that advertisement follows you around forever. Right. right. Yeah, you had that great moment in Codebreaker, in fact, about the the sandals. Yes, the sandals that followed Molly around. Yeah. Every time I logged into Facebook for a, a straight week, they would pop up. And I was so scared because I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna be sitting next to my boyfriend and I'm gonna log on to Facebook and these sandals are gonna come up and it's gonna reopen the wound. And he's gonna know that I was sending them to people asking for an opinion. Did you change your behavior when you were hanging out with him? Yeah. Like if we were loafing around, I would open so many tabs and none of them would be Facebook. <laughs> this is a really funny story. What does it make you think about? It made me wish that I could go back to the days where Facebook was just showing me things that I wanted to buy and not things that I wanted to run away from. That's uh, that's such a I mean, I've seen the same sort of stuff. I, I and I've seen advertisements that it's odd, like things that do not interest me at all. They're just completely off base. And I can't uh, it's one of those things where I think, well, maybe now it's just that the system hasn't gathered enough information about me to get a good yeah. feel. Right. So I'm I'm seeing stuff. It's like this is the shotgun approach. I'm throwing everything I can <laughs> and hopefully stuff will work. We'll be back to talk more about the evils of data tracking after these messages. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. 
But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Systems like Facebook, for example, where you can actually go in to an ad and say, I am not interested nope. in this, <laughs> you know, then maybe you'll end up getting a different selection of stuff. But sometimes you'll just get different versions of the same thing you already said. Uh, that's not that's not me, man. I, 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 yeah. I appreciate the muscles on this dude, but I am not going to be that guy. So I'm into I'm into my little pony, but I, I, I think I've outgrown it. I, I, I look my collection. My collection can only be so complete. That's, you know, there's, you gotta draw the line after like series five. You gotta say, I'm done. I have no more shelf space. Um, yeah, this is, this is one of those, those amazing stories. Like the, the story about the sandals, uh, just, just one of those things that has happened to pretty much anyone who's been active online over the last couple of years. And it's probably one of those stories I would imagine that people start to share not realizing that this is something that other people have experienced. Yeah, yeah. Right? It is. A, it feels like a very personal experience, but it's something that seems to happen to everyone. And it was interesting to see relatively recently, Facebook, I believe, um, made it easier for people to control how much of their ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other's information surfaced on their own timeline. Right. Did you see that story that came out relatively recently? It was really uh, yeah. interesting. This idea that, like, you know, f- you know, even the tech companies—they're really, really good at data tracking. Yeah. At this point, yeah, are still trying to figure out when it goes wrong and how to help the user in some cases um, make it a more kind of uh, custom experience. Right, and and we should also stress that that. The overwhelming majority of companies out there 
do not want it to go wrong because that's that's counterproductive to what the end end goal is at least for the person that actually bought the advertisement and the person who owns the place where that ad is being shown in the case of targeted advertising at least like they don't want that to go badly but in other cases you know they don't want it to go badly either that that's counterproductive but it is possible for this to go wrong even if everyone is trying to use it to to people's benefit. And on Codebreaker, you had a heartbreaking story uh, about, yeah. a, about a father who shared some information, not, not knowing, not even realizing that that information was somehow going to make its way into a database and then came back to haunt him. Yeah, this guy, Mike Say, uh, and, and this was happened a few years back. He, you know, unfortunately, um, his, his, one of his children, his daughter died in a car accident and he went to buy some, uh, you know, he went to buy some, some actually some, some, um, some stuff for photos. Like he was putting together some photo albums and he went to buy some frames for those photos. And the place that he called to do that, um, he just in passing mentioned, uh, that his daughter had died in this car accident. And the person that he was talking to actually took down that information. And it's still not clear how it, how all of this happened, but apparently they took down the information and that information ended up getting sold to a data broker that sold the information from the company he originally called to Office Max. Mm-hmm. And then Office Max sent a letter to him, um, that was addressed, uh, to owner of the house or Mike say daughter died in a car accident. Right. Um, and that's when it goes really, really wrong. Right. The picture frames I was, was buying was for my children and the bottom it, it had Ashley's name and her birth and death date and that she loved them. And you know what I mean? Sure. That's how she, the conversation came about that. What is this for? And she took, you know, the information that would go on the bottom and put that, you know, and whatever to get it stamped. But they had nothing to, it didn't say killed in car crash, none of that. That was all on her own. And this is a totally separate company from Office Max, and somehow Office Max got the information. They bought the information from a data group. So that information was sold from things remembered to a data group that collects data and then taken and sold to Office Max. And then Office Max used it without looking at it. What an, an emotional uh, uh, punch to the gut to see something like that. And, yeah. and honestly, you, you know, I mean, you know, Office Max did not intend that. There's no sane reason of anyone would do that. So, it's clearly an epic mistake that that could result in true emotional trauma, even if it's just a momentary thing. You don't want any person to experience that kind of thing. And uh, it, it was a pure accident. I imagine based upon I, uh, way back in the day, I used to work for consultants. And when uh-huh. when I worked for consultants, one of the things I had to do was arrange giant mailing lists and uh, print out tons and tons and tons of mailing labels. And so sure. you're, you're working with these big spreadsheets that are 
possibly thousands of names long. Yep. So I'm guessing what happened was you had the data entered into some sort of spreadsheet and probably the spreadsheet was converted at least once. And in that conversion, a tab that had been or you know a cell that had just been labeled miscellaneous got put into address instead yeah. of miscellaneous yeah. or title or something along those lines. And that's when it, it went from one point where it was a piece of data, which as, as Mike said, like, why do people even need to know this? No one needs to know this. This is, this is not yeah. a relevant piece of information. It should never have gone into a database, but for that to then accidentally get transposed into a cell that is going to show up on a mailing label is, is incredibly, it feels incredibly callous. Yeah, and invasive. And it also, you know, it reminds you that, <laughs> I mean, it reminds us all that the way we view ourselves isn't always the way we're viewed by the world, right? Right, um, yeah. And, 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 and that's an interesting aspect of this, too, this idea that uh, basically a data profile of most users on the Internet is being slowly put together over time. Yeah. And... And you might be, we all might be really curious to know, um, or disappointed to know, um, what that data profile looks like from the other side. Now, Ben, let me ask you this. I'm going to paint a picture for you of a dystopia. Okay. That's, that's sadly not difficult to imagine, imagine. based on our yeah. current events. All right. So. I'm sure you heard, I, I mean, I'm absolutely certain you heard about the app People, P-E-E-P-L-E, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, so oh, yes. This was the one that was supposed to be the Yelp for people, where you would be able to rate other human beings. <laughs> and so then other human beings could see your rating and could see ratings of other people. And it just seemed like it was going to lead to... Fallout 4. That's what it literally is. An idea, an idea whose time should have never come. Exactly. Now, let's take that same basic concept, but instead of you rating people, imagine that you get to look up what that person's data profile is worth compared to your own. Because guess yeah. what? You could do that. You could build something where you start to look at the, the robustness of a data profile, at least for a certain given set of transactions, because keep in mind, there are a lot of data brokers out there and your profile in one data brokers database may be very different from another because it may be less or more complete or from totally different sources than the other one. Yeah. But that would be a weird world where you say, wow, my life is worth this much to a potential marketer and my friend's life is worth twice as much what am i doing wrong in my life where i'm worth less i mean it's this is yeah, this is how, this is how companies are looking at us yeah and it is scary i mean i think it's also fair to say that this is as, as scary as it is to imagine that it is it does also have some connection to reality i mean when you go into a bank and apply for a loan um you're also being sort of sized up right yeah um and over time um, you know, we've, we've, we've seen some, actually some really big problems arise, uh, from how banks 
look at people and look at people's ability to pay things back and how credit card companies do this, how your net worth is calculated, how your, um, you know, your, your likelihood of paying a loan back is calculated. And, uh, but at the same time, over time, there have been some safeguards put in a- against discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have actually talked about this idea of data discrimination over time and how, um, we really need to think about as we go forward and as more and more data gets collected on, on, on users over time. I mean, people that were born, you know, in the last 10 years are going to have a very different life on the internet than even you or I have had, right? I mean, I wasn't on the internet until I was a teenager. So it's interesting to think about. It. And it's also, you know, you, you would hope some people are talking about this idea of like, you know, if you are perceived to be a, uh, a, a person of a certain race, a certain, um, education level, uh, um, something like that, the tax bracket, mm-hmm. then you might actually see a web that is different from the web that someone else with a different perceived data profile would see. Yeah, this is this is like a dark, twisted version of what the semantic web is supposed to be. Yeah. The semantic web is supposed to learn about you and then respond to what you want so that you don't have to play the game of the web search or the web browser. You just say what you want, and it returns exactly what you want, possibly from multiple sources. So you're not even going to a web page in the semantic web necessarily. It may be that it's pulling things from various sources and presenting you kind of a a united view. That's one realization of what the semantic web would look like. This, This is similar to that, but a very dark version where... It's not responding to what you want. It's responding to what the other side wants based upon what they think they can get out of you. Yeah. And that's a really scary thing. I mean, there's also some potential good from that can come from this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, uh, you know, other people are talking about this idea of, you know, a, a time at which maybe people actually start to, you know, data is more valuable, big data, you know, it's all perceived to be more valuable to companies and marketers and, 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 and certain organizations in the aggregate. Right. Right. So what if we actually reached a time where, um, not, I won't say like data gets unionized necessarily, Mm -hmm. but like, what if you reached a time where, users actually banded together and did collective bargaining on behalf of their data in order to say, hey, okay, my data may be only half of a penny value. Right. But when I get together with this large group of other users that I that I'm aligned with, it's actually worth a lot more. And I want to align myself with this large group and then sell that. Um, and actually gain some agency in that way and gain maybe some, some money. You're, you're, you're like creating a brand new career, a data agent. (laughs) Like. A dagent. A dagent. Yeah. A dagent. They're, they're like day walkers, really. When, if you want to go the vampire route. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's, I, I honestly had never considered that, but that is a really compelling idea, especially when you think, even if you go on a route where you're like, all right, we're not doing this to make money. We're doing this so that we're only opting into the things that we agree with, that we find yeah. acceptable. 
one of the other things about data tracking that I think is problematic is that, sure, uh, you might be getting stuff that's reacting to your behavior, but yep. a lot of that is going to be based on guesswork. So, for example, if I have posted a lot about hiking, it may be that I get a lot of advertisements for outdoor supply stores, like camping gear, that kind of stuff. And it may be that that doesn't fully overlap with my interests. That's not terrible or whatever. But it also could mean that I start to have a narrower selection of things presented to me, which in one way is good, but it also means it takes away the possibility of discovery. Yeah, this is a huge, I mean, this is a really interesting idea and a really interesting topic, right? I mean, it, Amazon is is kind of thinking about I think trying to do this. I mean, there there are companies that would would love to be able to basically when you go to their homepage, they basically say or not that we would ever necessarily do that in the future, but you you whatever, you you engage with their platform, mm-hmm. they would say, "Here's the three products you can choose from today." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that does, as you say, really reduce this idea of discovery. And this is, you know, this happens in the media world, too. Right. This idea of like um, and in the social media world, Mm -hmm. this idea of um, being able to curate so in, in such a, you know, a focused way to the individual user also makes it so that user doesn't. I don't know, read the New York Times and, and learn anything about what goes on outside of their own interest area. Yeah, it becomes, or, it becomes like the ultimate echo chamber. Yeah. Where, where, and, you, you know, you're, you're, you're stuck there seeing the same stuff and maybe you don't even realize it. We're, we're heading to like, this is almost a Terry Gilliam film, what we're describing at this uh, point. Man. Right? Like we're, we're heading to yeah. Brazil right now. Uh. Let's head, let's say I'm ready for that movie. I mean, I don't want to be in the reality that it depicts. I don't want to be, I don't want it to be reality, but I would totally watch that movie. Yeah, me too. When we're talking big data, when we're talking about all the information that's going out there, and we mentioned the fact that companies are buying profiles in the tens or hundreds of thousands or more, here's why. Let me give you a few statistics on how much information is hitting the internet on a per minute basis, this is based off of research that was conducted by a data company called Domo. And this was published in August of 2015. So keep in mind, these numbers are already old. But every single minute, Amazon receives 4,310 unique visitors. Well, we're going to pause the data tracking conversation for another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. 
Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So Amazon is one of those companies that's really good at doing this focused data tracking. That you know, This is where you buy a product and it says, hey, people who bought this product also bought these other things. And then you think, yeah. oh, right, right. I should get that. It's like it's like the perfect uh, impulse buy shelf. And, yeah. and it's customized <laughs> for every single purchase. Yeah, You're right. I do need batteries and dog biscuits. How did you know? <laughs> well, there's 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 this other level, too. Uh, that, that people are starting to imagine when you think about companies like Nest, um, mm-hmm. and you think about smart televisions that actually interact with your refrigerator. And one of the most convincing sort of, um, imagined scenarios that was ever presented to me in recent years was this idea that essentially over time, your refrigerator learns that you go for ice cream. You go in for that vanilla ice cream. Right. Um, right around 8.45 p.m. And um, it tells your television that. And then in the world of streaming that, you know, more and more people are doing on their actual television instead of having it connected to a, a you know, a cable channel, mm-hmm. um, you actually get at 8.45, you get a, an advertisement for ice cream, which reminds you to go and eat some ice cream, and then you end up eating more ice cream, so, and then you end up buying. So this more is the ice world cream. where the appliances are working against you. 
<laughs> yes, they're, they're not telling you to eat a kale salad, you, you, or maybe they are. We could that, hope. Yeah, that's also know. possible. Like if you have <laughs> if you have this thing where you're going out and buying kale salads, and then you're watching a lot of you know food type stuff, then you're you might end up getting hey. Here's a quick recipe, and here are the 14 ingredients you don't have that you need to go to Whole Foods and buy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, it's a weird world. I host a show. I host another show called Forward Thinking, and, uh-huh. and in that show, it's it's an optimistic view of the future. And I have often looked at this side from the optimist side, and it is similar to what you were saying about every single person's web experience could be unique to them based upon yeah. these factors. Uh, and and there's a way of doing that where it is not kind of the scary, oppressive type of way. But I, I talk about how with the Internet of Things and with this connectivity of different appliances, it's not that far of a stretch to imagine not just the web. Your experience of reality could get to a point where a lot of it is catered specifically to you. Yeah. And there could be a lot of good things that come out of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 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 I, I I totally believe in that possibility. I mean, like like we like you said, I think so um, so thoughtfully uh, when you came in and 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 uh, talked about this stuff with me on Codebreaker was was basically this idea that look, it's. Um, I, I'm not going to pull out the quotes so uh, eloquently as you did, but look, the, this technology can—it's it, it, us that makes it good or bad, right? Right? We 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 have the power theoretically to to make all of this stuff and make data tracking work for us as users and work for us as organizations and companies. I mean, I think a lot about the possibility of data tracking being really good in a future where our climate is changing. Yes. Um, and and the fact that we really understand on a global level a lot more about our climate than we did even 30 years ago, thanks to a, an increased level of data tracking. Right, right. right. And, and that is an important point to make, Ben, is that data tracking does not necessarily mean it's about just people, although people are an important factor when you're looking even at climate change because you want to see well, how is this affecting actual human beings as well as the environment in general? You need to know the whole picture. But data tracking is really, it's, it's agnostic as far as what the data, uh, actually represents. Like, it, we're talking about data about everything. You know, anything that you can imagine that can be quantified in the form of data that is being tracked by someone for some reason. Some of those reasons are good. Some of those reasons are Way not good. <laughs> yeah. But but it's not but it, all just yeah. about people. And it's interesting, too, to think about. I, I wonder what you think about this, but it's interesting, too, to think about just how I think a lot of it feels out of control at this point mm-hmm. for the user. It feels like we don't fully understand it. We don't fully understand how it's being used um, and what data about us is being tracked as users. And... Um, and, you know, government, I mean, the FTC in the past few years has become much more involved uh, in this idea of helping consumers protect uh, themselves against, uh, you know, abusive forms of data tracking, sure. um, if you will. Um, and and there are a lot of and, and, and also it's fair to say that I think a lot of tech companies have endeavored 
to put not only in terms of service agreements, but in, in, in the actual tools that they give to the user uh, when they manage their own accounts is, you know, to put the power in the user's hands to control this. But, you know, let's be honest, right? I mean, you and I don't necessarily read all of the terms of service agreements. You're telling me you don't read every end user license agreement. You don't, you can't recite Uh, the EULAs. The EULA, the EULAs is, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough out there. I can't remember the last time, honestly, I cannot remember the last time I actually read a EULA. Because who, who has time for that? I want to use your shiny new toy. I don't care that I've given up all my privacy and if I, as long as I get to play with the shiny new toy, if my BB-8 remote control droid is secretly telling Disney exactly how to make me buy more BB-8 remote control droids, so be it. Um, it all comes back to Star Wars. It, well, fun. I mean, you know, the force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. So, uh, it, you know, this is, this has been a great conversation, great talk about this topic. And, uh, you know, again, if you guys haven't checked out Codebreaker, you definitely need to remedy that immediately. It is a phenomenal series that covers, uh, various topics. And this is your first season, right? This is our first season, Jonathan, and we're looking forward to having you back on uh, for our second season, which is coming soon. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and and it was it was great fun to talk to you uh, on Codebreaker and and um, and have you uh, be a part of the show, and and uh, we hope you'll you'll keep listening. Absolutely, and and guys, you also have to know this thing about Codebreaker because. It's a gimmick that's so good, I was mad at myself for never thinking about it. This is, it was brilliant. You, you produced, you had all of the shows produced and ready to go, and you hid codes in the episodes. And if you're able to break the code, you can listen to the next episode before it publishes. Yes. Well, we should start, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm ready to, to have we embedded a secret code in this episode, Jonathan? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I like to say yes <laughs> just to drive people crazy, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, you wouldn't do that to I, I was just so proud of myself for uh, for breaking the the Morse code in the uh, – you did an episode about Internet porn, which is yes. an incredible episode. It Probably not safe for you to listen to uh, on speakers if you have not safe for work. Yeah, not safe for work or for little ones, obviously for for obvious reasons. But it's a real, honest look at what is not only a big industry online, but legitimately, it can make or break certain types of of uh, on the edge technologies. Like yeah. If you wonder why Blu-ray won over HD DVD, it's one of the big reasons. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it's crazy to think about that. If you wonder why the, uh, AVN conference overlapped with CES for so many years, this yep. is why. Uh, it's an incredible episode and I managed to actually break the code and I was, Probably a little more proud of myself than I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you should. I mean, you should be proud. It's uh, Morse code. It's uh, it's it's not used, um, you know, very very widely anymore by by at least most people. But it's uh, it's always a good thing to know. Yeah, it turns out, you know, once you once you commit that 
scout stuff to memory and have <laughs> and have a web page opened up that tells you what the dots and dashes mean because I didn't remember. Uh, but but it's still it's it's a it's a great way to engage the listeners uh, on top of this interesting take you have on the different topics. So guys, make sure you go and check that out. Ben, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of this. This was, I think, a really fun kind of complimentary piece to your Codebreaker episode, which, again, uh, I really enjoyed. You guys let me listen to it before I was even, uh, I, I recorded the final segment on that episode. Yes. And I got yes, to listen to did. everything yeah. up to that point, And I was just, I was like, you sure you want me? <laughs> You're bad and clean up, man. You were our closer. We loved I, I'm it. I'm glad, we loved glad it. I could, uh, could be of service. It was an honor. So, well, it was, it was great to have you. It was great to have you on. And when we're big fans of tech stuff, so we're like, um, it, it was, thank you so much for, for having me and for, for talking to me about this stuff. And I think, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I end up feeling, you know, I think so many of us end up feeling lost, right? Sure. About when it, when it comes to data tracking. And, and my only hope is that, is that, I mean, not to say that there should be an app for that, but, you know, I, my only hope is that we will at some point reach a, reach a stage where it's easier for the user to, to really have control over what they're sharing. And, and, and also users are more, more educated about what they're sharing. Um, yeah. and I think, I think we're all, you know, we're all a little bit on the hook for, for not being more educated about what we're sharing, but we're also, you know, we also need better tools to understand how we are sharing our data and how it's being tracked. And we, and we definitely need to hold government accountable for making sure they create and foster, uh, departments that are specialized in informing other bodies of government about these things, keeping up to date, because as we know, I mean, we're, we're still seeing an era where the people who are in positions of power Often they have limited to no experience with a lot of the things that are affecting us on oh, a daily man. basis. Oh man, those 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 uh those Supreme Court transcripts, man, mm-hmm. it's a sad world. It's a sad So world. if we're gonna like we can't wait until the millennials are in the Supreme Court. For one thing, <laughs> I'm gonna be dead by then. So <laughs> I would like to see things improve before that. But that's that's one of those real challenges is that we have a, a different population in positions of power who they may have every desire to help us make sure that these things are being used in a responsible way, a non-predatory and an ethical way. Yeah. But they have, you know, to them, it's it's like if you were to present me with a page written in Greek, I would have no idea what to do with that. So, well, technology moves faster than policy, right? That is and absolutely it always true. Has. Yeah. And, 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 and I think it's, it's as true with data tracking as anything yeah. else. And it's just, um, it's a reality that we all have to deal with, but it's, it's, it's something that hopefully will, will change over time. And it not, not, not before, not before a lot of stuff happens that many people may regret. So it's, it's always good to be thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. That wraps up the classic episode of The Evils of Data Tracking. Big thanks again to Ben Johnson from 2015 joining the show. That was a pleasure. Hope we can sometime get him back on the show. And uh, yeah, that's it for this classic episode of Tech Stuff. If you have suggestions, you can always reach out to me either through the iHeartRadio app 
using the little microphone on the Tech Stuff page to leave me a voicemail or to send me a message on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.